Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. God will tabernacle with his people. He will be present. It's amazing. So not only that, the God that we hold fast to, we believe the doctrine that we kind of tight-fisted, you know, we won't budge on this thing is a triune God. God the Father, God the Son, who is Jesus Christ, and God the Holy Spirit. All three present, new heaven, new earth. Amazing. Incredible. And God himself removes all sorrows. When the end times come and you finally get to see the new heaven and new earth, it's going to be more than you could ever imagine them to be. Pastor James is going to take you to the book of Revelation today to remind you that God is going to remove all your struggles and suffering there. You won't even be able to think about your old life because it's going to be so incredible. And the best part is that God is going to dwell in the new Jerusalem with his people so they can always be in his presence. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Revelation chapter 21 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. Revelation 21, we are talking about the thousand year reign of Christ and what that looks like. Um, essentially, it's, you know, Christ is ruling on this earth. Satan has been locked up in prison for a thousand years. Um, him and all other, you know, fallen angels, there's none of that. He's not patrolling, he's not roaming around on this planet, messing with people, because you've got people coming out of the tribulation. Okay, people will be coming out of the tribulation and they can get married during the thousand year reign. They can multiply. They have kids and all this stuff. So the earth will repopulate. Um, There'll be a lot of people. But after a thousand years, um, even with Jesus ruling and reigning, people are still going to abandon him. Generations will rise up where they want nothing to do with Jesus, believe it or not. Um, But there will be one last great rebellion. And that's kind of what we went through in this last great rebellion. And that's it. But even that is a grand demonstration of the grace of God. Okay. Um, the fact that he puts up with all of our nonsense for so long, is just incredible. It's amazing. Why he hasn't like hit the switch already just blows my mind. Why he hasn't squashed every single one of us is an amazing thing. He gives a thousand years and he knows he gives people this is this free will thing. You have the choice to follow him. You have the choice to worship him and you have the choice to reject him. So there's consequences, right? Those who choose to follow him, there's good things. That's what we're going to talk about today. We talked about last time, those who choose not to follow Jesus, there is an end result for that. And it is technically the lake of fire. Okay. It is a very real thing. Jesus talked a lot about uh, hell itself. What we went through is more specifically the lake of fire, which death itself would be thrown into that thing. So there's no more death. Satan and all the fallen angels thrown into that thing. Anybody who basically just marched over the body of Jesus because they want nothing to do with him, that's their destination. What about us? Because there's a thousand years, you know, ruling and reigning with Christ. That's sweet. That's really cool. We looked at different verses talking about that, how wolves and lambs and, and different animals, like 
They can hang out together. Although I read one commentary that said that there's probably not going to be any animals in heaven. And I'm like, what is wrong with you? Like, that's a horrible thing to say. Um, I disagree. This guy's like way smarter than I am. However, I disagree. We'll talk about that. Um, I believe there will be animals on a uh, new heaven, new earth. Heaven, we'll define what that means in a second. But so this is what's in store for the believer. This is what's to come for the believer, Okay, Feeling discouraged living in this world? Yeah, yeah. Even more so now than ever before? Yeah, totally. Well, here's what's to come. Revelation 21, let's look at this. Uh, I'm going to read from the New Living Translation. It says this, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared or passed away. And the sea was also gone, or there was no more sea. Um, yeah, just... No, you can't scratch it out. Um, you can't remove it. You just can't. What does that mean? Why? We'll talk about that too. But new heaven, new earth. New heaven, speaking of in this context, it's talking about the sky. Okay, there, there's three levels to heaven, right? You got the sky. Okay, then you got space. Then you got the third heaven, which would be celestial in the sense of where God, heaven, what we think about as Christians, heaven. Okay. We're not talking about so much as that. What we're talking about is more than likely the atmosphere around the earth, okay? A new heaven, new earth. Uh, it's not even going to be remade or like uh, remodeled is some of the words that are used there. What this is talking about is almost like bara. It's like created from nothing, like a brand new recreation, okay? Um, so will the new earth look anything like this earth looks today? Probably not. <laughs> no, I'm going to say no. Um, this earth looks nothing like it did on day one and day two and day three and day four and day five and day six. Like this sin has drastically transformed this earth. You had a large land mass and body of water lands together, waters together, all this good stuff. Um, I'll say it like this. Sin has wrecked God's beautiful creation. So a new heaven, new earth, uh, it's going to look different. It's going to look a lot different. Could be one gigantic garden. I don't know. We're going to get into some of the details of this that will kind of fire up your imagination um, as to what to look forward to. But there will be a new heaven, new earth. The old has passed away. Um, Peter spoke about it as the elements have all burned away. I mean, this thing is like gone. Um, the old earth, what we currently live on right now. Let me read a couple of cross-references because I this passage of scripture, this is nothing new. Um, this isn't like some new concept that, you know, Jesus had dropped onto John's lap uh, while he's, you know, there on the island of Patmos. Um, but Isaiah chapter 65 talks about uh, verse 17 and 19 says this. Look, I'm creating a new heavens and a new earth, so wonderful that no one will even think about the old ones anymore. So there you go. That's a helpful thing for everybody, because you can think about new heaven and new earth, and you're like, yeah, but won't I miss? No, no, you won't. That thing about the sea, gone, water, I mean, won't I miss? No, you won't miss it. You won't miss it. But what about outlet malls? No, you won't miss them. You won't miss them. That's kind of for my daughter. Um, one of my daughters like, oh, I don't know about this new heaven thing, because like, can I go shopping? And I'm like, well, I don't know. Honestly, I don't know. But what we do know, this is from Isaiah. He's saying he's going to make new heavens and a new earth so wonderful 
that no one will even think about the old ones anymore. Be glad, rejoice forever in my creation. Look, I will create a new Jerusalem as a place of happiness. Her people will be a source of joy. I will rejoice in Jerusalem and delight in my people. The sound of weeping and crying will be heard no more. So that's back in Isaiah chapter 65. Um, the Lord would even go on to say in the Gospels, uh, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will stand forever. Okay? So we've known that this is coming up. This is nothing new, that there's going to be a tremendous like uh, new thing, new work that God is going to do. And it's going to be new heaven, new earth. He's been dropping hints from the very beginning, from the very beginning. But this will be home for us. New heaven and a new earth will be home for us. And more specifically, there's going to be a new Jerusalem. Okay? So uh, I got facts and figures to talk about for this thing. Verse 2, it says, I saw a holy city. This is back in 21. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a beautiful bride prepared for her husband. You understand with that concept. The wedding ceremony is happening. When the music sounds, all attention goes to wherever the bride is, right? That's just the focus. What John is saying here is, uh, he's like, look, um, I've looked up and out of like space, this new Jerusalem, probably a cube, could be a pyramid kind of a thing, right, is descending. And it situates itself on Earth or hovering above Earth or nobody really knows. But this new Jerusalem comes down from heaven. What a sight. What an amazing thing. Like, we're going to be there. Uh, geographically, I'm not sure, you know, how this new earth is going to be situated as far as, I mean, it could be all just landmass with, some guys think there's rivers, there's lakes, there's maybe even mountains, because we have a lot of references that consist of, uh, you know, those topographical type things. So rivers, lakes, mountains, that's kind of cool. Um, but we're all going to be seeing this cube type thing coming down from heaven. New Jerusalem like a beautiful bride prepared for her husband. This new Jerusalem, um, he's going to give out the dimensions, but this thing is just like, whatever you think it is, it's way beyond that, OK? So whatever your imagination can conjure up for you, it's probably like a million times better than that. Whatever our imaginations can conjure up for us concerning a new heaven and a new earth, I can say dogmatically that it is a million times a billion times a trillion way more better than that, OK? That's horrible grammar. I know. I get it, OK? But it's just going to be amazing. It's going to be absolutely incredible. And John's like trying to write this stuff down. Like, he's seeing this stuff. There's even points where he's seeing these things, and he needs to remind us. He's like, yeah, no, this is me. It's, I'm still the same guy, like, from the beginning. And he can't even believe some of the things he's seeing. Verse 3 says, I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, the home of God is now among his people. He will live with them. They will be his people. God himself, God himself, okay, will be with them. He will remove all of their sorrows. And there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. For the old world and its evils are gone forever. Something to look forward to. I mean, you get a new place. Like, you get a new dwelling place. You get a new earth to explore. You get a new body, a heavenly body, a resurrected, like, superhero-type body. You get your own place on this planet, your own home kind of a thing. 
it's going to be absolutely incredible. But here's the thing that is the most incredible thing about it. God himself dwells there. The word there is tabernacle. God tabernacles with his people. God himself will be there. He'll be there. I mean, that's just enough. Like, let's say this new earth, it's not, but let's just pretend it's just like a big old, you know, dirt bowl. Like, it's just dirt, right? And you're like, that doesn't excite me. Oh, but God will be there. Okay, I'm in. Okay, I'm in. I'm in. There's no more ocean, no waves. Um, but God's there? I'm in. I'm in. Because I don't know what other things he has to offer beyond, like, some of the things that I enjoy here on this earth. But I can tell you this, they're way better than anything you can experience on this earth. He will be there. He will be there. God will tabernacle with his people. He will be present. It's amazing. So not only that, the God that we hold fast to, we believe, the doctrine that we kind of tight-fisted, you know, we won't budge on this thing, is a triune God. God the Father, God the Son, who is Jesus Christ, and God the Holy Spirit. All three present, new heaven, new earth. Amazing. Incredible. And God himself removes all sorrows. You don't take any baggage into heaven with you. You take no baggage. No baggage. Check all your baggage here, right? Actually, just check all your baggage at the foot of the cross, right? There's some things that we should be checking sometimes, but sometimes it's just natural things that you can't really, like physical pain. Sometimes it's just something we endure. Our bodies, you know, they break down, right? So in the new heaven and new earth, no more pain. No more sorrow, no more suffering, no more crying, none of that. It's gone. It's just gone. Verse 5, and the one sitting on the throne said, look, I am making all things new. I love it. One of the coolest phrases in the entire Bible. The one seated on the throne says, behold, I make all things new. Now, here's what you need to understand about this. This isn't just some future thing that we are hoping for. This is a very real, very present and real thing we hold fast to now. Here's what I mean by that. He's in the business. He always has been in the business of making things new. You and I, the moment we give our lives to Jesus, the moment we surrender to him, the moment we um, are saved by him, our faith and our trust uh, in him by his grace, we are made new. It's not some like pie in the sky, like maybe, kind of. No, it is. You're made new. I don't feel new. Well, neither do I. <laughs> neither do I. But you are new. You're a new creation. Paul would say that to the church of Corinth. You are a new creation. Things, the old things, they're gone. They're passed away. So it'd be really smart for us as Christians nowadays to live as if we are new creations and let go of the old things. None of those old things are going into a new heaven and a new earth. So learn now to let go. Learn now. You know the saying, it's mostly concerning rich people, right? Can't take it with you concerning money, right? Well, yeah, of course. But that's only a fraction of the things. We hold on to so much. And a good lesson for us to put into practice today is learning to let go. Just learning to let go. Let go of the old stuff. It, just let go. It's more than likely it's slowing you down in this race. Let go of it. That's what whoever the writer of the book of Hebrews, um, probably it's Paul, 
um, the main writer is the Holy Spirit, who says, lay aside every sin that hinders you. Just let it go. Let it go. And run this race. And you run into a new heaven and a new earth, free, free of all the stuff. It's not going to be present there. That's the beautiful thing about a new Jerusalem, a new heaven, a new earth. No more sin. Sin is gone. It's gone. No more. Won't even pop up. It'll be a thing of the past. In fact, it probably will be something that is just never remembered anymore. How incredible is that? Number one, you have no enemy whispering in your ear of like, hey, you think you're a good person, don't you? You remember what you just did. You remember what you just said. Remember all that stuff you used to do? He's gone. He's gone. And all those things, if you don't know it, they're already gone. They're already gone. It's incredible that the Lord gives us little hints and little sneak previews of a new Jerusalem and a new heaven and a new earth here today, here today. When you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you understand that sin, past, present, and future is wiped away, gone. It's gone. Doesn't mean you're not going to sin. Each and every one of us, we're still going to sin. But the reality is the blood of Christ covers all sins. And in fact, it's not just, it doesn't just cover them, it washes them clean as if it wasn't even there. It's like the best laundry detergent ever. When you stain your clothes, I don't care how much stain treatment you put on there, sometimes there's always a faint reminder of what happened. You can wash it and wash it and wash it and wash and all that good stuff. But the blood of Jesus is like the perfect sin stain remover ever. A little dab will do you, right? And it just covers all of it. And it's just like, what comes out is, well, that's a brand new garment. Yeah, absolutely. That's you. That's you. You're the brand new garment. He's made you new. You got new heaven, new earth, new creations going into a new heaven and a new earth. It's amazing. It's incredible. He says, I'm making all things new. And then he said to me, write this down, for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. There you go. Just bank on it. He's talking to John. He's like, hey, John, record it. Record it. I said it. It's going to happen. It's as good as gold. It's going to happen. Write it down and then share it with as many people as possible, which is an incredible thing because the Bible, if people just read it, um, it's the best-selling book ever. Literally, it's the best-selling book ever. No other book has even come close to how well, year in and year out, the Bible sells. Unfortunately, I just don't think a lot of people are reading it, it seems like. But we got to read it. Because within this book, you have statements like this where Jesus says, write it down. I said it. It's going to happen. You can bank on it. Then he says this, it is finished. Wait, we've heard that before, haven't we? You read through the Gospels, a statement that was proclaimed from Jesus on the cross in the work of redemption. It is finished. Now this grand plan is, I mean, everything is done. It is finished. I'm the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. And technically, he just defined those terms for us. He's the beginning and the end. To all who are thirsty, I will give the springs of water of life without charge for free. Let me read to you from John chapter 4. This beautiful little cross-reference here. John chapter 4, verses 13 and 14 here. Let's see. 
Jesus replied, uh, people soon become thirsty again after drinking this water, verse 14. But the water I give takes away thirst altogether. It becomes a perpetual spring within them, giving them eternal life. Now, that's obviously Jesus speaking to the woman at the well when he says, hey, give me some water. And uh, he's like, hey, I got some water if you want. And he's like, yeah, you drink it. You'll never thirst again. She's like, I'll take some of that water. Why did she want that water? Because then it meant she never had to come back to the well. She never had to deal with humiliation again. She didn't have to deal with shame anymore because she's a woman who's been married multiple times now, and she's got a live-in boyfriend and all that good stuff. And she goes to the well when all the other ladies are gone. Because why? Because they're going to mock and ridicule her. That's why she's going at the worst time of the day. And that's why Jesus met her there. And he says, look, I have some water that'll satisfy what you're trying to satisfy in your life. She says, I'll take it. He's like, well, it's me. It's me. He makes this great invitation here in the book of Revelation, chapter 21. He's like, to all who are thirsty, I will give the springs of water of, of life without charge. Like, this is incredible. This is in the new heaven and new earth. Like, you thirsty? You'll never, you'll never be thirsty in one sense. There with Jesus, it just absolutely incredible. Verse 7 says, all who are victorious will inherit these blessings. And I will be their God, and they will be my children. Okay, So those who are victorious. And we covered this through the letters to the churches. And he says, listen, whoever overcomes, overcomes. That's the word, OK? Victorious, those who are victorious. And he's talking about that. And he's talking about believers, saying, stand fast, stay focused, run your race, run your race. You may cross that finish line and feel like an absolute failure, but you're not. You finished. You crossed the line. You did it. You crossed that finish line. Stay determined. Stay purposeful in all that you do in your serving of Jesus. Stay focused. There's plenty of things on this world right now to get us distracted, to get us discouraged, and all that stuff. And we don't ignore those things. We address those things through, through our prayer life and through our conversation with God. But we as believers stay focused because we are on a mission. We're on a mission. He's got some things waiting for you. He's got some stuff waiting for you. Inherit all these blessings. There's probably so much included just within that little phrase there um, that we would just be completely ignorant to. But it should intrigue us enough to be like, you know what? I'm just going to stay focused on Jesus, and I'm going to run this race. Be a disciple. Disciple just simply means a student who sits at the feet of his teacher. So you sit at the feet of Jesus, you take in what he has for you, and then you put into practice what he tells you to do. That's running the race. That's running the race, OK? There's another group, though, that this does not apply to, these blessings. Verse 8, but cowards who turn away from me, and unbelievers, and the corrupt, and the murderers, and the immoral, and those who practice uh, witchcraft, and idol worshipers, and all liars, their doom is in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur. This is the second death. So just one last little heads up. We already covered this, right? What happens to... But this is speaking of those who have completely, just utterly rejected Jesus. Hopeless, hopeless, red for the broken 
You've been listening to Bread for the Broken with Pastor James Grizzle. We're so glad that you joined us as Pastor James teaches through the book of Revelation. Some days it may feel like the choices you make don't really matter in the long run, but the book of Revelation teaches us otherwise. There will come a day when the decisions you make today will impact your future. There will come a day when all that is evil will be cast away and the darkness will no longer have dominion. So take a moment and think about your life. Are you making decisions that are good and holy, or are you making decisions that will hinder your relationship with the Lord? If it's the latter, be encouraged. God doesn't leave or forsake. Seek Him and ask Him to help you overcome the darkness. He is faithful, and He has the power to restore you. If you'd like to listen to today's teaching again or hear more verse-by-verse messages from Pastor James, visit breadforthebroken.com and click on the Teachings tab. While you're at our website, you'll also be able to learn more about the church behind this ministry, Calvary Chapel Galveston. If you're ever in the Galveston area, we'd love to have you visit. For directions and service times, just visit breadforthebroken.com. We'd love to hear from you too. So send us a quick note in the contact tab at breadforthebroken.com if you've been blessed by this program. There's still a lot to learn from the book of Revelation, but that's all the time we have for today. Thanks for tuning in and be sure to join us next time for Bread for the Broken.